Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for another Premier League show. Um, I feel like I say this every week, but so much to get through. It was an absolutely brilliant weekend of football. And with me tonight, we've got Colin back for this episode. How are you, Colin? I'm good, Mason. Thanks for having me back on. And I know what you mean. Every week we say there's so much to get through. It's a full-time job to study for this podcast, by the way. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to getting in about it. It really is, mate. I spent a good uh, good 45 minutes earlier going through, uh, you, you know, you don't get a chance to watch sort of every game. You only get snippets, but um, yeah, lo- loaded up and ready. But also we've got Jamie as well. Where are you, Jamie? I am so buzzing. Um, I was even more buzzing when you messaged yesterday and said, do we all want to do it on Tuesday the 7th? So um, the 7th of March was really, really good for me. Um, more reference to the number seven, but I'm sure we'll come to that later. I've had about four cans of seven up today. Um, I'm all sevened out, but I'm absolutely, yep, really good. Um, enjoy these podcasts, get to talk about the football. Um, so, yeah, finally enjoy this. Thanks for having me back. Jamie, um, just going to bust your bubble right now. <laughs> Liverpool scoring seven doesn't quite get the same reception for Mason and I, so um, apologies in advance if you don't quite, if nope. you don't quite get um, your enthusiasm matched. I'm absolutely fine. I was depend. I was. I was determined whether to come up in full kit today or anything, but uh, just it's uh, it's all about me. I'm 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 good for it. <laughs> You know what? I didn't want to mention, I weren't going to mention the, the us at all to talking about seven because I said I'd never talk about it again. But I actually, it made me feel just a little bit better that they hit sevens against someone else this season. Um, but let's let's get let's get right on to that then because that is that is a big one from this weekend. Um, Jamie, I, I will come to you first to, to talk about Liverpool, but um, that, that's Liverpool now unbeaten in, in the last seven games against Man United at home. Really is, you know, always is a tough place for Man United to go, but yeah. even more so now. Um, Salah, Nunes, and Gakpo, um, especially second half, were it was, do you know what? It was, it was really, really good to watch. Um, I'm not buying into this Gary Neville uh view that Man United were the better side first half. I thought was, that was clutching the straws, wasn't it? That yeah, was, that was real clutching. I thought it was always, I don't get me wrong, Man United had a chance to, to take the lead, but I always thought it was Liverpool's game to lose. Um, so, yeah, Gary Neville, I think Sooness absolutely scored in there um, as well, I think, uh, from the start to the end. But, but Jamie, what, what, what did you make of that performance overall for, for Liverpool? Yeah, I think, you know, to not say the obvious, shall we say, it was it was the results, sorry, it was the performance that we've been begging for all season. Because, um, you know, let's face it, our form, this season has been shocking, you know, from game to game. Every time we get a win, we think, right, okay, now we're in the corner and then we pull off a nil-nil draw. It's, it's just not been great at all. If I'm honest, going into the game against Man United, 
I wasn't confident, even though we're at home. Um, I thought I thought we're going to go for a draw. We're going to nullify them, and we're going to set. And actually, what I was confident was is that we could potentially pull off a clean sheet because we've had a few clean sheets um, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, um, some really big clean sheets. Um, so I, I kind of actually had us down for a nil-nil draw. Um, <clears throat> Pleasantly surprised with that. Um, I think you're right. The first off was very, very contested. Um, it was inevitable Liverpool would come out the traps flying. Um, the first 20 minutes were really Liverpool. And I, and I think see, see, when you look at it, it was actually one of the things that I've always noticed this season is that Andy Rod- Robertson gets a lot of plaudits, but this season he's probably not been to his best. And and the way I would say it, it's not that his defender's been wrong, it's actually the way his movement forward is. Andy Robertson and Manny's Tele- telephony together, if you like, tele- the way that they worked was so intertwined. They would give and go, they would overlap each other. Andy Robertson's had about three different people in front of him this season, and that relationship's not been there. Gakpo's obviously been used out in the left. We at the weekend it was Darwin that was out in the left, and you can start to see that that game in that first half there was a little bit of you know trust in terms of the positioning going, the running going, and you've seen that with Gakpo's goal actually the opener. It was actually the build up on the left. He, he went on the left turn with the right foot and slotted in the bottom, which was a fantastic goal by the way. Um, the way he sold the dummy on the two defenders. Um, I, I'm super super happy that. You know, we had a hard first off because let's face it, Casemiro was just slightly offside with his goal. Um, they 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 missed another chance, so it was definitely for two and fro. But the way that second off took off, I mean, nobody nobody in their right mind would have predicted that. The second goal was was tremendous. Gakpo again getting down the side, that little flick that he does um, to to kind of put it past the hair. That's that's that's. That's outstanding. That's outstanding football. Um, you know, I could sit and talk about each goal individual, but I'll save you. I'll save you the heartache of that. But I, I think for me, I think Gakpo's second goal was the best goal of the day. But the one that was most well received was actually on the back of the news that Bobby Firmino, the seventh goal, Bobby announced the day before that he won't be signing a new contract. Um, he's, he's, he's he spoke to Klopp and realised it's time for him to move on with this young emerging forward lineup that we've got. Um, and he goes with the blessings. So for him to come on in the last ten minutes absolutely get a goal against Man United. You could see he pretty much had a tear in his eye and he only played 10 minutes. He's well-loved by the fans. Um, it topped it off for us. The one thing I will say, I don't think it's a freak result. And, I'm, and I can say that because I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm blinkered. We've stuffed Man United fives and fours recently in the last two years at Anfield and at Old Trafford. I don't think those results are shocks. I think with the way the crowd is at Anfield, the way that they get on the back, I think Man United just literally just crumbled and just couldn't handle it. And you could see that in some of the postures from some of the players, which I'm sure everybody else has been talking about. I'm not buying into Man United were just terrible. I just, I think those performances are in Liverpool right now. I just want to see them be more consistent with it. But brilliant result for us. No, absolutely, and, and agree. It does annoy me. Sort of the last few days, it's all have been has been about sort of how bad Man United were. Um, and I don't think, to be honest, there's been much credit for, for Liverpool. But we have to talk about Man United, Colin, and I'll come to you on them. It equals their biggest ever Premier League defeat. Uh, well, uh, defeat, I think biggest defeat ever. I think I'm sure they said the 1930s against Wolves. Am I right in saying? So um, unbelievable. And it's come obviously against their, their biggest rivals. 
Um, what did you make of, of Man United? And, and, and I'm going to touch on this sort of now, but Bruno Fernandes and um, Luke Shaw were the two that kind of stood out. They, For me, they absolutely chucked it. Yeah, that's they two probably personify uh, the points I'm going to make. Uh, but just want to like taking the the Rangers hat off. The I'm going to slate Man United here, but I don't want to take anything away from Liverpool because we too often um, when we talk about games of football, it's either one team were great or the other team were terrible. It was both in this game. Liverpool were fantastic and uh, Jamie's right, you could go on about every goal individually and still no do it justice. Man, you were in the game. Um, they weren't the better side as um, your Gary was saying, but they definitely were in the game at halftime and you were looking for them to just be a bit tidier on the ball, a bit more, a bit more composed, but Jay, Jamie's kind of having a point there. It's not just against Liverpool. We've seen Man U capitulate time and time again. Was it Brentford earlier this season? It was 4-5-0. Over the last 18 months, this has happened a few times to Man U, home and away, um, against Liverpool, against other teams. And that's... When, when we were speaking a couple of weeks ago about can they challenge for the title, I think we all said it would really depend... if they Well, they can't challenge for the title. We all said if they can get second, it would really depend on how much Arsenal or Man City fall off. Because what Man U have been doing, they have been, they've not been blowing teams away, but they have been beating the teams that they need to do. But I think this is the remnants, uh, the, the pure mentality that they've had over the last four or five years. They've done the they've done the, the early steps, getting rid of the, the prima donnas, if you like, the likes of uh, Paul Pogba, Ronaldo, the really big toxic characters. But there is still that mentality, and that mentality I'm talking about is the unprofessionalism of it's getting too hard, so I'm going to chuck it. So with Fernandez and Shaw, senior players, big characters, or they should be big characters, it's no hard back here to what happened at Ibrox, but that was the most frustrating thing there. Like Better teams will always beat you. Sometimes better teams in the day will always beat you. If Man U came away with a 4 nothing there, and the game finished at maybe 50, 60 minutes. It's one of those things. This isn't one of those things, and Ten Hag has to address that in the summer because we, rightly so, they've been getting a lot of credit, and we're talking about it'd be great to see how they can add to the squad, but they need to add character to that squad, and I'm really disappointed. And for a neutral Shaw, Fernandez, I thought Casemiro might be one of the guys who can maybe... I don't think he was any worse um, or any better than the rest of them, but he's the kind of guy, the, that that pit bull terrier who can maybe inspire a bit of grit, a bit of dig. Disappointed he didn't do that as well. Yeah, no, he's, he's been uh, unbelievable for Man United this season. Um, but even him, he just, yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Um, he, he looked like he just won in the game, you know. Again, and that's why I think I'm sort of, Absolutely right to dig out Man United, but um, I think Liverpool were that good second half um, and, and they were clinical as well. Do you know when they're getting in? And I think it was a goal every eight minutes, so uh, it's just pure, pure clinical. Um, but, but definitely the, the biggest uh, talk, talking point for the weekend. Jamie, do you want to touch on anything from a, 
and Man United side before. <laughs> I, I think the one person I've got about I feel sorry for was actually David De Gea. He was probably the only player that actually can come off that pitch with a bit of dignity, and he actually had to pick the ball at the net seven times. That's a bad day. was your best player, and he yeah, just we, we, seven goals. <laughs> when you think of it, like, none of the goals were like the dodgy, the dodgy spin off the keeper that's punted it back into the box or anything. They were all clinical finishes. He was the only one that was probably professional throughout the whole game. There's, and you know, there's a Bruno Fernandes is he's he's one of those players and and, and I, I kind of agree with it but I when I hear it from my new players he's one of those ones that you want in your team he's one of those ones you don't want to play against because he's he's like he's like that rat mentality he's a, he's a shit house he he, he he does all the dodgy stuff he does all the dark arts and um he, he kind of gets away with it when it's working. See when it's not working, you look like an you look like an absolute phone. I think that was happening to him on Sunday. You know everything from I would say shoved the linesman a little bit out of the way. He tried to he tried to stick the foot in on uh, Biatic when he came on, and Biatic skipped it. And Biatic then run twenty yards with the ball, and Fernandez just stood to the side with his hands up in the air. And you're going, why is he not tracking him? Why is he not chasing him back? There was there was loads of little pockets of things like that happening. And I think when your when your um, captain is doing that, it kind of breeds into the rest. Um, the rest of the team. The one thing I will say is that I think Ten, Eric Ten Hag is the man to kind of fix that. He, he's proven already that he's got that mentality. One of the, you know, there's so many stories flying about about what happened. What did he say? What I think the best one I've heard is that actually he screamed at them for about three minutes and then made them stop and didn't say nothing. And he said, "Listen," and all he made them do was let, made them listen to to the Liverpool players celebrating in the next changing room. And he said, "Right, everybody to the coach." He took that personally. That that's that's what you want. You manage to really, um, you know. We've moved on from the days of making players sit out on the in the middle of the park in front of everybody, get their wee telling off. You remember the old holidays, um, but yeah, some of those players really need to take a look at themselves in terms of professionalism. I didn't think they covered themselves in glory much at all. Um, Man U have been brilliant up until now in terms of a run of form, so it's not like they can't pull it back and get back on the trail. That wasn't a bad day in the office. That was a fucking shit day. Um, so they just kind of need to fix that, and I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I'll finish on this. If you're, you know, if, if a Rangers player went to Twitter after getting beat like that, we would go absolutely mental. I don't know why Marcus Rashford feels the need to tweet about it. It's absolutely bonkers. So it deserves all that. Is this, is this the apology? Yeah, just to yeah to apologise. Just 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 have Twitter for for a few weeks, few months. Do you know what I mean? You've just been wallets. No one wants to hear it. But anyway, moving on. Colin, Arsenal top of the league. Um, big big win for them on Saturday. They were two 0 down against uh, Bournemouth. Um, you know, and they've come back, scored in the ninety seventh minute. Uh, Reece Nelson with, with the winner. Um, it feels like a big turning point this in the title race. Um, it's the first time Arsenal have come back from two goals down since 2012. Uh, they come back and beat Spurs 5-2. Um, I, I believe it's 62 games that they've 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 not won by going down by two goals, and they've picked the right time to uh, go and win that game on Saturday. It's the absolute opposite for what I was saying about Man U there when we speak about character. And it's uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to rewrite um, history. Uh, these podcasts are recorded, so I, I did say that I thought this will be the beginning of a downward spiral for Arsenal when they go beat off Man City. 
Um, that season-defining moment that you're talking about there, I thought that was against Aston Villa. I, I feel right. They've only got one of those comebacks in them. But lo and behold, they've got, they've got another one. And it's it, it wasn't just their three chances. They took their chances. They kept on knocking and battering and battering. Um, Bournemouth, who played really well uh, for the first, what, 50, 60 minutes. Bournemouth, credit well, credit to you. They have been a really good side to watch the last few weeks. But from an Arsenal point of view, we know they're a talented side. They know they're a really good footballing team. But that is what's been labelled at them. The, the character. Um, I'm going to do a complete 180 on what I said a few weeks ago and think that's a, that's a kind of league winning results. Um don't get me wrong, I think Man City and Arsenal will slip up. They, they both will still slip up. Um, I just think Arsenal, they've, they needed a, they needed a character boost after that Man City game and they've got two. Um, I, I don't think they'll be taking it as, oh, we slipped up, we got lucky. I think you look at that performance and you look at, we dragged ourselves back into it. I think it, you're absolutely spot on. I think it's one of them that gives the players even more sort of belief going forward. And I know you've been 2-0 down against Bournemouth, but Bournemouth are fighting for their life. Um, and, and you still to come back and get a late winner and just the way it happened. Uh, I've, I've done a bit of a U-turn on it as well, because I think that maybe that does mean that the title is heading there. Jamie, for Bournemouth though, that's now, I couldn't believe this when I see this earlier, that's in the last four times they've led by 2-0. They've, they've lost three out of four, um, which is in the Premier League, which is, uh, I suppose... It's, cr- it's criminal. Yeah, it's criminal. As I said, you, you're fighting for your life. Arsenal were, were poor. You're two new up. You've got half hour left. Just that inexperience there. Um, we said about the business they've done in, in January, which they've signed you know, some up-and-coming talent uh, for 50 million, which I still cannot believe. But they just lack it's, lacked experience big time on Saturday to, to at least come out of there with a point, to lose all three. Was, was criminal. Yeah, I think um, Bournemouth are the exact opposite of what we've been talking about in recent weeks of relegation form. We've been talking about who can score goals, do they have the goal scorers? Bournemouth are showing that they actually can get goals, they can actually score goals, and they're, and they're good for that. It's, it's the back end that they struggle with, it's keeping clean sheets, it's keeping teams out. Um, I, I remember watching, the, I, I kind of watched the first start of the Arsenal game and I was absolutely blown away with actually the, the start that they made. And it was good to see Gary O'Neill at the end of it actually talk about that's something they've been working on. That wasn't a real fluke. The fact that they had five people all running in tandem um, to kind of get into the box. And you've seen that the Arsenal defenders didn't have an actual clue what the hell was going on. It was, uh, it reminded me of, do you remember Connor Cody leaving the ball uh, for uh, in the Merseyside derby for Gakpo to tap it in the back stick? That's exactly what Gabriel did. He just, just didn't touch it. Um, and, and it went through to the boy that was kind of running in. Was it uh, Billing? Um, so, so Bournemouth have got these goals in him. But yeah, they, for, it was criminal to not come away with points um, in that game. I, I would argue whether Arsenal would be able to still pull that result off if it was a more experienced team, whether they would get away with that kind of result. The mm. fact it was Bournemouth, though, you always felt that they were going to get back into it. Arsenal were going to get back into it. Even at two, I think I remember seeing that when they were 2-0 down, um, the bookies only had them at 2-1 two, two to one to win the game. Like, that's crazy. But again, it's because it's at Arsenal. It's the home team. Um, 
I'm a, I actually quite like Philip Billing. I remember watching him when he was in when he was at I think it was Huddersfield. He was at before he was um, at Bournemouth, and he, and he, he plays a certain ways. He's, you know, he's very box to box. He likes a challenge, gets the odd yellow card every now and again. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see that he scored because he does chip in with a goal. But it's 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 the other it's the experience that they just lack. You know, when you think of their defenders, um, they're either very very old or they're very very young and still new to it. Um, I wasn't surprised to see Arsenal get the winner, and I think you are right. And those are the ones where you look back and go, um, "They're the ones that kind of win your titles. The ones that you don't think you're going to get anything from it, but you do." Behave yourself. It was the ninety seventh minute, man. It's um, I know what you mean. See, at half time, you're maybe thinking they'll get back in there. If Arsenal were three two up with fifteen twenty minutes to go, then you're right. And the half is right. Okay. They they waited until they were doing it and done to start playing, but it's a drama in this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know you, you both know me well. I'm a big I'm a big one. You love the, the drama. Emotion. I love the drama, <laughs> the emotional side of the game because I, I think that's that's what connects uh, fans and players. And you mm-hmm. looked at the Emirates Stadium and it was absolute bedlam. A lot of pundits uh, saying they've celebrated like they just won the league. No, that's that's a, that's a club in unison. Um, mm-hmm. It, it yeah, really yeah, is. And you don't get that if the winner's yeah. in the seventy-fifth minute. Yeah, what I will say is I love Saka watching him play. He would walk into ninety-nine percent of the teams in in England and Europe, in my opinion. He's that good, and he's so young. Um, I think when you've got him playing at his pump the way he is, I think anything's possible. And Arsenal have just got that. They're doing really well with managing injuries as well at the moment. Uh, you know they've had they've had party out um, and Jorginho's filled in. Party's now back in the squad. Um, they've they've had no Jesus for a period of time. Um, Jesus looks to be coming back in the next couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, do they actually just keep motivating on? But outside of that, you can pretty much name that their, their, their ten or eleven players each week. I was surprised to see Ben White not start the game and Tomiyasu um, and and. He was hooked at half time, um, and Ben White obviously scored um, as, as part of the comeback. So you are right; everything's in unison at the moment for Arsenal. They're doing really, really well. But you know, when I think back when Liverpool won the Premier, when when we won the league, it was those kind of results that you that you remember. They're the ones at the turning point for us. Um, I think Colin called it earlier. The Aston Villa was probably the first time we actually believed it, or we actually looked at it and went hard in a minute. Yeah. This one looks as though this is round number two, but I think there's a few more rounds to come. Yeah, no, there's going to be bigger tests to, to come uh, for Arsenal in the next few weeks, without doubt. Um, but I just, yeah, as we've already said, I think that was a big, big one Saturday. Colin, uh, Man City were the early kickoff on Saturday. They were comfortable, to be honest, against Newcastle. It was never in doubt. 2 0 winners. Um, they've actually beat uh, the, um, Newcastle 14 consecutive times at home now. I think it's the most in the Premier League. Uh, in terms of a run. Um, so, again, those that you lack a bet, next time Man City get Newcastle at home, bet against it because uh, it, 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 surely that's going to come to an end soon. But it was just a, a routine win for, for Man City on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it was a you know a no doubt three points. Yeah, I, I think Man City routine is the best way you could put it. But... What you said there, Mason, um, they didn't have to be excellent. Um, they they just done their business, took their chances, well, sold enough at the back. And um, aye, that's, that's a kind of 
steal that you expect Man City to kick into for the business end of the season. They they don't have to be all flair, all guns blazing, just get the job done, get over the line. Um, Folk Foden had a really good game, took his goal really well. Um, and I was surprised to see him come back in. I know he's maybe in and out of the team, but it's... I've not really rated him this season. I know I've not rated him. He's obviously a cracking player, but when you look at the players that Man City have in the strength and depth, I was surprised to come to see him come in again. Talk about it being the business end, the early kickoff, Newcastle, they're, they're due a bit of a result. Didn't think he'd be the man to go in, but I thought he he done really well. From a Newcastle point of view, again, disappointed. That's... How many games is that? That must be a few games um, without a win now. Is it, is it not since they've come back from the World Cup? I don't think they've yeah. won a game. I think it's Aye. seven or eight games. I'm pretty sure it's seven or eight because we said it last week, it was seven. So, um, sure it, it's, it's not that. They weren't they terrible. Like, I, I like the way Eddie Howe put it, said that they, they're really good between the boxes, but it's it's just that's a different level. You look at Man City compared to Newcastle. Man City will take their chances. They will be clinical. Newcastle just don't have that, and they don't have the I don't know the the siege mentality at the other end. Yeah, no, definitely. And and it, it it sort of when I you know watch the game Saturday and I see but uh, Bernardo Silva getting on the score sheet, Foden getting on the score sheet. Both of them having quite good games at this stage of the season. Will Pep sort of leave them in? Um, and if they both hit form at this time, it could be. Bad news for the for the rest of the league, um, Jamie. Well, what was your thoughts on on Man City, but also Newcastle because there was such a hype, as I said before that World Cup about sure. them. They were really comfortable in that top four, um, but we'll come on to Fulham a little bit later on. Um, if Fulham would have won yesterday, they'd have gone level on points for Newcastle. So that just goes to show the dip that Newcastle have had. I think my rationale would be two polar opposites but the same rash same issue so we spoke um when 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 city were um struggling it wasn't that they were struggling to score goals they were struggling to keep clean sheets they kind of look as though they've sorted that now they've settled as a back line john stones has been out for a period of time so it looks as though they've got um nathan ake akanji um and kyle walker that are playing the more the more prominent roles and and they're using win backs um they looks to be settled on that now. Um, Jack Grealish is, and Haaland have been staples as well. They've, he's always played with them and rotated either Mares or Foden. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of as you said, the business end. You're starting to see a bit of a bit of form, a bit of a bit of solidarity. They're starting to play with each other. If anything, I would actually call it Kevin De Bruyne doesn't look as good as he normally does. Like he's not gotten in, he's not getting many assists. He's not getting much on. He's not controlling games the way he normally does. He was actually the one that was hooked in for Bernardo Silva to come on. Bernardo Silva kind of come on and kind of added that enthusiasm into the midfield. So. Pep's obviously seen something that, that we don't, um, <clears throat> but that's where they trust him. You know, they trust Pep to get these things right. Pep is always going to turn around and say that he knows what he wants from his team and how to go about it. I think he's settled on his defence now, and I think that's where we'll start to see Man City form more of a partnership in terms of the rest of the team being a bit more cohesive. In Newcastle's position, in Newcastle's issue, it's the exact opposite. It's not, the, in my opinion, it's not the defence. It's the fact that they're very toothless up front. You know, when we were talking about Newcastle pre the World Cup, Callum Wilson was banging them in. We were talking about Callum Wilson actually being an opportunity to go to the World Cup because he was in so much good form. 
Um, the the boys Joe Linton was getting goals. Almiron, I mean, let's face it, Almiron's not going to have another season in his life compared to what he's had so far. So he was putting them in, um, and also Alexander Isak. But he, he, even it's his debut season, he's not had amazing amount of goals. But he's only got a handful of goals. But they were all they were all chipping in. At the moment, you can't see who's going to get the goals. You can see Newcastle potentially keeping clean sheets because they've got the same back line. They've got Nick Pope and goals. Um, the, the the boy Botman, um, I think has been brilliant for them this season alongside Kevin Kieran Trippier. Um, so they seem to have nailed that. And the central midfield looks settled. It's just the strikers on putting it in the back of the net. And I think this is where we'll start to see Newcastle slip a little bit now because it won't be for the lack of losing games, I think. I think it'll be more, they're just going to keep drawing games. That's probably the, the, the issue that they're going to have. No, absolutely spot on there. That's the last sort of four or five games I've watched Newcastle. It's that's that question, who's going to get them the goals? Um, you know, that they've done well to sort of keep the clean sheets before the, the run they was on. But yeah, absolutely. And um be interested to see how they, they respond to this because there was such high praise, but now it's going the other way a little bit. So uh, mm. be interesting to watch that. But but Colin, Chelsea, to be honest, boys, I'm, <laughs> there's not much to say about this Chelsea game on Saturday at, um I know Jamie watched it, which I'll come on to him in a minute. But um, big win for Chelsea, though, Colin. Uh, Graham Potter's um, second win in 12, um, which is which is crazy, really, when you consider the money they spent, the players they've got. Um, and it was the goal was from a set piece, Wesley Fofana. Um, what was your thoughts on, on Chelsea getting a win? But also Leeds, um, I, I thought that was quite unlucky not to get something from the game, personally. I'm absolutely delighted for Graham Potter. Um, <laughs> on his post-match um, interview, he looked as if he just finished um, a 16-hour shift, man. <laughs> the guy just, he was delighted, he was drawn to his bed, um, probably wrote a tan about a line when he wrote him, just to forget about the last few weeks. Um, but no, I, I've said time to time, I really like him as a coach, I do want it to work out for him, uh, so I, I'm delighted for him. Um Chelsea, first of all, it's again, I thought they were quite wasteful in front of goal. Um, that final third, they're just they're lacking that cohesion. I mean, it's not for one at a time, they get the shots away, but only three shots on target. And against relegation fodder right now, let's be honest, Leeds, Chelsea at home should be really looking to take the game to them. Um, highly, but obviously, for Fana, um, I, I've not. I'm not, I don't know too much about that boy. Also, I know he's been injured um, for uh, for a long time. And I think that was his first came back. But he, it wasn't just his goal. I thought he was terrific playing out for the back. Um, he really, like, sometimes he did miss out the midfield just with how clever his passing was. He was everywhere. And I know he got man of the match, and, and rightly so. On leads, um, aye, this is it's the games that you play. Leeds have had this a few times where they are playing well but they're not getting in from the game and that's they need to stop that they, it's trying to be it's trying to do them more good to play shite and get a point or three points um, they, they have played well since um, since uh, the manager left but again we said that at the time in January they need to add goals they need to add a bit of and that, that's the problem for most of the, the bottom half of the table. They, I don't know where the goals come from, especially with uh, Rodrigo being out. Um, so, I don't worry about Leeds, but Chelsea, um, I don't think this kick starts a, a run for Graham Potter, I'll be honest, but I hope it is. I like him. <laughs> 
yeah, he's gone. He's gone in there from walking into Chelsea looking like a million bucks, isn't he? And then uh, it's, it's mad what a football management job can do. He does. He, he looks absolutely shattered. Um, Jamie, anything to add on on, on on what Colin said there to sort of that game on Saturday? I know you you really enjoyed watching this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I stupidly had it on my bed, so I thought, well, I might as well watch it. And obviously, all that just for it. You know what? I actually found it a slog watching them, like because. I mean, at half time, the crowd were booing like really bad. And you think, oh, here it comes, it's starting now. Um, they came out, and as you said, they got the goal, but it wasn't it wasn't the thrills and spills that they that they were they were expecting. I think the first off, I think uh, Joao Felix had hit the bar again. Um, a lot goes through Joao Felix, um, and I think see if him and Sterling can start to link up properly. They start to feed each other, um, and I think stupidly, I think habits gets in the way. Um, you know, there was I think there was one at the weekend where I think I think somebody took a free kick and it actually hit Havertz, but it was going in. He was studying the way it was going into the top bin, and you think it's just not going for him at all. Um, he's obviously not a number nine, but they don't have a number. Well, I'm going to say they don't have a number nine. They do. They have a bummer young, but they refuse to play him. Um, so they're obviously making do with what they have at the moment. Um, it was just a whole, a long, hard slog actually watching them trying to get through the game. Um, and as, as as Colin said, you could see the, the you know the the drainage from Potter's face just to say thank God that one's done. Um, he's obviously been advised, if you believe some of the reports, that his next two or three games are do or die for him in terms of his management. I still think he goes outside of that. I just don't. I just don't see this crowd, you know, clicking with him at all. He could probably scrape the next three games one nil, and I think they would still ask for his blood. Um, they're just not clicking with him at all. They're not liking his styles. We even this week we started to hear rumours actually this week that some of the players are disillusioned with actually some of his team talks. Now, when that sort of stuff, stuff starts to get leaked, then you know, then you know it's not good because now the manager starts disbelieving who he can trust in the changing rooms first and foremost. So I think the writing's on the wall for him. I do think Potter's a good manager. I just think he's at Chelsea at the wrong time. Um, but yeah, it was a slog to watch them get through that game against Leeds. Um, I, I see that being the you know the, the the platform going forward for the remainder of the season. I think Leeds, I think Colin already touched on it, they just need Rodrigo back. Rodrigo makes them tick. He, he plays up front, but he comes so deep, gets involved in the plane, plays off. Um, unfortunately, they can't rely on Bamford. He's never been the same after his bad injury that kind of cost him his England call-up as well. He's never really been the same and since then. Um, they, they brought this new guy in the January window, but I don't think I've seen him outside of the first game um, when he came in, the boy from Germany. Um, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but I do believe Leeds will stay up, but I think it's from the home games they'll, they'll what they'll get from it, not anything away at the moment. No, no, I think you're absolutely spot on there with about Leeds and and as from Grandpa, um, I think if there was a style of play there on there was something we could see from from Chelsea sort of going forward, um, you'd go right, yeah, we'll get more time, but I just just don't see it. But but moving it on, Colin. Um, this was the sort of biggest scoreline of the, the weekend other than the Liverpool Liverpool uh, route against Man United Brighton beat West Ham 4-0 um, it's quite a you know a running joke that every time West Ham play Brighton it, it, it's one to write off because West Ham have never beat Brighton in the Premier League now 12 games 6 wins for Brighton 6 draws um, so um, 
as I said, you know, we, we lined up that Saturday and sort of the talk was put your bets on Brighton because uh, they'll beat West Ham. But we, me and Jamie spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, West Ham last week and how we thought their squad and the players they've got, David Moyes, um, they just just off the back of a big 4-0 win against Nottingham Forest. Then go and turn that over um, with that result and, and the performance Saturday, by the way, it could have been more than four. Um, just to touch back on West Ham, are they in trouble with it? Could they actually go down? Because you know that old saying, too good to go down. Yeah, I think they're in trouble. Huge trouble. Um, and I'm actually really surprised. I, I, I rate David Moyes as, as a manager. Um, I, I really do have said that on here before. It's Brighton are a good side and it finally clicked for Brighton and West Ham are just unlucky. Like Brighton dominate most of their games at home. They've just lacked that killer edge. West Ham are unlucky that they turned up in the day that they found it. But for West Ham it's it's no the it's not the result, it's the performance. They look like a team going down. It's like similar to what we said with with Man U. Not quite the chocolate levels of Man U, but just was a just some of the misplaced passes, the the kick and rush style, the they panic more than it. And I don't think it's a, a chucking it um, thing, but they just don't believe it's going to come off of them. Um, and that was well before they got to three, four, nothing. When they went down, they didn't they didn't look themselves at all. Um, that's the most worrying thing for for me with Moyes, and I don't know how you turn that around in in three months. Um, it's. Uh, yeah. Colin, I'm going to ask you this one, and I'll, I'll ask Jamie as well. If you as the owners at West Ham, would you sack David Moyes? No, because I think he's a man to get you back up for the championship. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I, I think you. I think he. Moyes is really good. Uh once he's got it, harnessing squad cohesion, a good winning mentality. We've seen it at Everton, we've seen it at other clubs. Um yeah, it's quite good once he's got it, keeping it, it's just building that. So I think if he builds that in the championship, then then he'll he'll be fine coming back up. And I think Jamie touched on this point a couple of weeks ago. Um <laughs> Sam Allardyce isn't looking for a job. They know um there's Sean Dyche or your your old school. I mean Tony Pulis is probably I don't know can stocked up in a snooker hole somewhere, Dan and Smokey waiting Chris. Um <laughs> these these siege mentality uh, managers they're not looking for a job. I don't know who you bring in. Um and I don't know it's not just wee tweaks here and there getting over the line. I, I do think you do need to do something big at West Ham. Um Moyes has either got to do it or he's not, but if he doesn't he's the man to bring you back up. Yeah no I'll come I'll come to you Jamie just just to sort of on Brighton. Um, at home, their their home form, they're, they're a really hard team to beat. Uh, and Colin touched on it there, the way they play. I think they've, uh, don't get me wrong, Grandpa deserves a lot of credit for the squad he built and, and the way he played, etc. at Brighton. But I think they've gone up a level with the new man. I think, Zerbi, I think they've gone they've gone up a level. I watched Brighton now and you sort of say, mm-hmm. don't fancy going there if you're one of the big six, um, especially at Brighton. But just to come sort of back to West Ham, They've not won out any away games in the last 11, um, which is worrying. Would you, Zach, David Moyes? So, up until today, I would have said no. However, the rumblings that are coming across the line now, 
is actually Michael Carrick, who's doing an amazing job at Middlesbrough, who's obviously a legend for West Ham as a player. A lot of the fans are now talking about Michael Carrick. Now, I don't necessarily think he's the man to fix that because obviously he's, he's very limited in what he in the experience and what he has. But when the starts, when when the fans are starting to call for certain people. Um, it doesn't bode well for somebody like David Moyes, probably my point. David Moyes used to be the person people would call for, bring an old head in, get them settled. The problem is, is they've kind of stagnated and we forget that. This is, am I right in thinking this is David Moyes' second stint at West Ham? Yeah. So so he's been fired from there before because they wanted to go a different route and bring in a different style. I think if the fans start keep calling for these kind of things, then, you know, West Ham have got a track record of probably doing these kind of these kind of deals in terms of getting rid of managers. Um, I still think the West Ham team is too good to go down, but I would be very, very worried in that performance because as much as Brighton have been brilliant and dominant, there were certain mistakes that were happening. And I think it was I think it was specifically the second goal, the corner. When you see the slow-mo, there's a guy that literally two yards off the line, off the goal line, who never gets looked at by a defender, the ball drops to him and he's free. And you just think, that's Sunday League. That's not Premier League football. You're away from home. You're fighting for your life. What is it that you're missing there? You can say that they can't score goals, but when you're making really bad errors like that, that's that's pretty much, not that you're down in tools, but you're not doing what's being asked of you if that makes sense. Um, so it'd be interesting to know if the players are actually just getting disenchanted from David Moyes himself. And if that is the case, then I think a change is inevitable. Um, I do think, I do believe they're too good to go down, but they're in a very precarious position that they're in, they're, they're, they can fall back into, you know, that, that, that bottom three, if you like. It took them so long to get out the bottom three, actually, is probably the best way to put it. It took them so long to get it back out the bottom three, bottom three, they're in very quick danger of just slipping straight back into it. And we've all, we've talked about some of the results that some of these teams are pulling off. They're getting points. Once you're in it, it's going to be very, very hard to get back out of it. And I think, see if they were to drop back in it, I think they would pull the pin. Yeah. That is, would be the challenge. It's an interesting one because I'll be honest, it's easy for me to say I'm not I'm not a West Ham fan, you're sort of mm-hmm. watching as a neutral, but if I would that, that whole bottom lot and it goes from twenty up to thirteenth that can all still go down and it wouldn't surprise me if any of them It's like four points between them all or something, isn't it? Crazy, isn't it? But I would pick David Moyes as my manager out of all the rest. To come um, in and fix it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'd want Moyes out of all the yeah. rest of the managers. So it's easy for me to say because I'm not a say, not a West Ham fan. But if you're telling me you're going to sack Moyes now and go and get, and, and that should never be the argument, by the way, to go and get a new yeah. manager. But who else are you going to get? We've seen it with Leeds and Southampton. They couldn't even get top managers because they're saying you could go down. I don't want to be in the Championship next season. So, and you said that Michael Carrick. I've seen it all day today. Um, that would be absolute mental for me. Of course it would. It'd be mental for Michael Carrick to take it considering the job he's done doing at Middlesbrough right now. Like he's yeah. he's in contention. I think he's, he's he's only four points behind Sheffield United of getting that second spot. He'd be absolutely mental to kind of ditch that considering what he could do right now. But again, we were talking about it. The Premier League talks. The Premier League money is completely different. It turns people's I think eyes. Carrick would walk there. I think Carrick would walk there. I oh, think he would, he'd yeah. Work with that squad, and and I think he'd fancy himself to keep him up. Um, but yeah. I just, yeah, I just think if West, yeah, it'd be a huge, it'd be a bigger gamble for West Ham than it would be for Michael Carrick. Just yeah. on 
just on West Ham, like, but we're now going to be getting <clears throat> to the stage where a lot of teams are playing with each other and the the results will matter. No, the results, sorry. Obviously, <laughs> the results matter, Colin. Um, the fixture list matters. Um, mm-hmm. If I look at West Ham's next two fixtures, they're away to Villa. No, sorry, home to Villa. Then they've got Southampton. See if they can get a point to Villa. Um, even sh- at home, get three points. Something for that game. Then Southampton, they're potentially got to go four or six points clear of Southampton. They've got Man U next. Um, uh, it's, that's but you that's could flip huge. That. You could flip that. See if they don't beat Villa, he's probably gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the right answer. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if he goes after Villa. I think. Well, saying that, if he doesn't go after Villa, I think it's too late. Um, <laughs> but I think if they were going to do it, they would have already done it by now. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Colin. I think if they would have pulled the plug on Wes, they'd have done it now. There was there was rumours going about before, just after the World Cup, and they got beat comfortably by Leicester, and the board were like, there is no chance we get rid of David Moyes. And, and, and it looks like they're sort of standing by that. But, do, do, but do, 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 do you not think that game's written in the stars for Danny Ings to get the winner? Oh, yeah. Even Villa going to West Ham hasn't, you know, very un, un you know, inconsistent with his, with his performances and gets the winner. Oh, absolutely, off the bench, one nil, <laughs> one nil Ings. Um, but but we'll come to we'll come to to Aston Villa in a minute. Um, Colin uh, Wolves beat Spurs one nil, um, which was, I thought for me was was quite a shock. Me and Jamie said last week after Tottenham beating Chelsea that we fancy them to go on a little bit of a run. Every time we say that, they go and they go. <laughs> and lose. Um, to be honest, that's that's three at their last four away games they've been beaten. Um, so you know, away form for Spurs is a big big problem. But but for Wolves, a huge win because obviously they're down there as well. Um, all five wins at home have all been to nil. Um, if they concede the first goal, they are banging trouble. But if they get the first goal uh, and they manage to score a late one at, at the weekend. On Spurs first, I do like seeing them fuck up after the whole Super League stuff. The, the fact they've put themselves in a kind of elite club bracket, get up you. <laughs> Wills, you're, you're right. Um, you need to know how and when you can pick up points and they know that like they need to get the, the goal. Uh, not even an early goal, they just need to be a bit better at the back. Um, they need to be solid there. And I thought they were. Um, first half, Spurs probably unlucky not to go ahead. Um, but I think I think Talksport and Match of the Day touched on it. The subs, um, Big Jules made it. Was it was a half time and he went to three at the back and he just he it he, he, like he pressed Spurs a lot more. Like the the ball was a lot more fluid. He gave the attackers. A lot more space to run, didn't they? Um, that was a that, that was a master so okay. Spurs didn't know how to handle that and um the goal I thought big uh Tyro, uh Adama Tyro, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Tyro. I I like him. He gets a bit of um a bad rep at times, um, I think because how inconsistent he is, but I like we speak about it all the time, even with Rangers players that I, I like a player with kind of raw power, just that big brute a guy. Um, I was pleased to see him get the goal. But no, I think um I I think he's a, a decent win for, for Wolves. Um probably one that when you look at between now and the end of the season when they're tally up with the points comfy, three points extra that they might have wrote off. I think they'd maybe looking to try and get a point there. So that's um that's got to go a long way to making them feel much more comfortable. Yeah. 
no, absolutely. And I, I said that about, sorry, David Moyes there a minute ago, but uh, Big Jules is a good manager as well, to be fair. Maybe that's one for the way that he's should. He'll keep Wolves up comfortably. And I think, you know, little changes like that. Um, and, and I said, they've had, you know, striker problems all season Wolves, but I, I think they'll be all right. Jamie, what, what did you make of, of Spurs? Um, obviously, yeah, we, we said last week they were going a little run and that completely backfired. Yeah. Uh, bad, bad result. 22 shots on goal. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing to sort of answer for it. Yeah. So the first thing, so the, um, the one I, I seen a stat um, the other day, and it's it probably sums Wolves up. The the last striker to score for Wolves was on the seventh of January. Like all their goals come from other 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 people. They, they don't they are out strikers just don't get it. Um, so so you know it doesn't surprise me it was Troy that got the goal for example. Um, Spurs I think it's completely opposite Spurs. Um, I think as you said the I think they hit the ball four times sorry three times. I think Pedro Porto, um, Son hit the ball and I think there was somebody else that hit the ball in the in the space of ninety minutes. So it's not like they're not attacking. Um, where I would have where I would call Spurs out if you like is. 60 million with Jolson hasn't scored yet for the club. This is the guy who's been loaded at the World Cup. I would, I would, I'll firstly admit he's obviously been restricted for performances, you know, getting minutes on the pitch, but 60 million on a known goal scorer, I think that's went under the radar quite a lot this season. When you look at some of the people that have been getting stick in terms of, you know, underperforming, shall we say, 60 million on a, on a striker that hasn't scored yet is that's 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 terrible. Um, and I think there's one even worse. Spurs made a massive last-ditch effort on the last day of the transfer window to bring in Dan Juma. He's played 54 minutes since they signed him, and only 11 of them have been in the Premier League. That I don't get that. Why? Why, why would you go to those lengths to to kind of bring in these kind of people and refuse to play them? I don't, I don't get that at all. Um, you know. The, the, the thing I have with Kane is that Kane constantly comes deep for the ball. And when he comes deep, he, he's always the link-up man. And there's nobody there to kind of get the ball where, up to a striker, which where Kane should be. They're talking about Son as potentially not firing. I get that, but he's Kulisevsky. Kulisevsky, I think, was, one of the, was the first person to get subbed at the weekend. But again, you don't bring on another striker. You've got Danjuma, for example. As I said, they, they kind of hijacked that deal off Everton at the last minute. I don't get what what Spurs' philosophy is. What you know, how they're trying to go about it. Um, you know, it's 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 a bit of a strange one, and I think, um, and I think that will be the pattern for the remainder of the season. I don't see them finishing in the fourth spot. I think they'll, I think they'll they'll miss out. Yeah, no, no, we've I've changed my mind on that as well. I agree, Jamie. Um, I think they're they're too inconsistent. And sixty million on Rich Harlison at the time, I said that is yeah, utterly mental. Um. And it's just, yeah, and Dan Drew is just a, a panic buy, isn't it? Let's be honest. That's, that's who can we get last minute to, yeah. to, to but, but the thing is, you go, you go back to the cup game, you know, the one that they lost against Sheffield United, and they started with Lucas Moira, who they've already confirmed is not going to stay with the club in the summer. So why would you not play Dan Juma? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I, I just don't get the thought process of why they're trying and what they're trying and, and, and what they're trying to get out of it, because I think even the fans are getting a bit disillusioned with it. No, no, it's, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy one, but uh, no, Conte will be back in. I think the stands uh, back, you know, for this game mm-hmm. at the weekend, which might make a, a big difference. But, but Colin, moving it on, uh, my favourite game this weekend, sort of as, as a neutral, watching the games this weekend was uh, Forest two, Everton two, um, just pure entertainment. It was two teams going 
right at it, desperate for three points. Um, brilliant, brilliant uh, game for, 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 for a neutral, as I say. Um, Everton are now winless in their last nine away games. But this was a stat that sort of shocked me to today with Forrest is they're unbeaten in their last nine home games, which is the second best home run in the Premier League, um, other than the Man United that are 11. Um, and it's their best home form since 95-96. Um, so it sort of goes to show both ends there with Forrest and Everton. Um, what was your thoughts on, on that game on Sunday? It was a really good game. I um, it's not something you really you really put into the same sentence as Sean Dyche and a team going for it, um, especially away from home. I, I think we all predicted um, that we're going to see quite a few weeks of Everton just being very turgid to play against, making it <clears throat> excuse me, making it difficult for for teams to try and break them down. So really surprised to see them actually go out and take the lead um, that, that that caught me off guard and then as you say it was end to end both of them went for it if they, in terms of how this sits for both teams Everton needed to win that there's no many games that they're going to they're going to go, get two goals away from home um, it, it, it might not be for one at a time but I, don't, I just don't think they're set up to go and, to go and take, take teams to the sword so when you get Two one up with twenty minutes to go. You need to see that out. They might have thought points are a good result beforehand, but looking at their next few fixtures, I'm pretty sure they're they've got Chelsea, they've got there's a Man City as well. Um, it, it's not really until like the fifteenth of April they're at home to Fulham, which maybe you can get something from. Then uh, Crystal Palace away, so they've got a tough running. They needed that three points, and I think, um, aye, Forest. They, they'll probably see as a point, uh, uh, two points stopped as well. To be fair, yeah, no, no. It's, it's, it's watching it that second half. I just said the whole time um, I was watching it with my cousin, and he, he had a two-one, uh, two-one Everton. So he was sort of, um, you know, one that's coming. I said, "There's no way Forest don't score." It was inevitable, and I think that sort of sums up Everton. But, but Jamie, what, what was your thoughts on the game? But also. Brennan Johnson um, scoring both goals. I thought he had a really good game, looked lively. The second goal, by the way, is an absolute yeah. cracker. Um, we, we said a couple of weeks ago he probably scored the goal of the weekend, didn't we? Um, I forget yeah. who it was against. He scored an absolute peach. Um, yeah. He's obviously their their biggest commodity this season by a, by a country mile. Um, I think Everton, though, I think they, it's no, you know, we you guys were talking the other, you know, recently about the, the Deitch ball and, and obviously how he sets up. Sunday was the first time he actually started Damien, uh, was it uh, Damien Gray? Um, and he's obviously the one that got the opener. I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, he's obviously their best attacking talent that they have. He's the one that can go in behind and he's not an out-and-out striker, but when you put him up against people like Neil Mopey um, and, and, and the likes of that, I think he is a standout. I think it's a bigger point for Everton what it is for Nottingham Forest. I think Colin touched on that. It's obviously a bigger point, which is, which is yeah, um, but I still see them being very, very patchy. I, I, you know, we we talk about their home form probably being their best option in order to stay up. But um, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I think the two inconsistent, um, too many people not playing as great as they probably should. Am I right in thinking they were ahead twice in the game? They were one nil up, one each, two one up, and then it finished two each. So, so 
Yeah, so again, so they've let two goals, two two leads slip. You know, no, very very similar to Bournemouth in in, in some aspects. If you like, um, you would expect Everton to have seen that out. You know, if they were having that diehard attitude um, to kind of see it out. But I think Brennan Johnson was obviously the the, the difference. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the mid tables in the Premier League would be would be having a look at him. Um, you know, going into the close season, just because what what I quite I like about him is he doesn't stop running. Um, you know, I I've seen him even in the Liverpool games. Um, he 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 doesn't shy away from you know a forward run with you know get kind of getting involved in hustling with 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 the with the the, the right back and the left backs. He's 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 very positive forward thinking person from their team, and I quite like him. Yeah. No, no, he, he really impressed me. He was the sort of, I think the, the quality, I didn't think it was much quality in the game on Sunday, uh, but he was the one that, that looked like he had it in abundance. Um, Colin, let's move it on then. Uh, Aston Villa, 1-1-0 against Palace. Um, again, not much going on in this game. Um, another clean sheet for Villa and another win. Uh, Emery, since Emery took over the 12 games, Villa have scored in every game. Um, so he's definitely improved that area. One of the, the criticisms of, of Gerard was there was no goals in the team. So he sort of, he's flipped that and he's managing to get a couple of clean sheets. But then Palace, that's again another game without a win. They're going to get dragged into it, I think, quite quite quickly. They're in trouble. Um, well, aye, they are going to get dragged in there. They're only five points uh, clear in uh, the relegation zone. I was uh, actually when I seen the lineups, I thought Zaha back at maybe what they have been lacking because it's been these they, they've not played terrible Palace. They I, I, again, like a lot of these teams, uh, probably some of the leads they've not been playing that bad, just no seeing teams off or just been good enough in both boxes. So I thought with Zaha being back, that's maybe what they need in away to Villa. I, I did fancy them going in, uh, I'll be honest. Um. And then Zaha very nearly put number nothing up. Um, he was marginally offside, but I thought that was going to really kick on, uh, kick Palace on, but it, it didn't. Um, Villa took their goal um, really well, and I know it was an own goal, but they they forced it. Um, it's I think that's the thing with Emery that is goals coming for elsewhere on the pitch because they are trying different channels of attack. It's not just through the middle. They're not just getting into the byline and crosses in. They, they do make defences think and Emery has always been very good at that, having different different styles of attack. Um, and I thought you've seen John McGinn link up um, really well, like box to box. I thought Emery's starting to get the best out of him. And then is it that boy Decore? Um, he was just an idiot. Two stupid fouls, um, especially the second one. He should never be going anywhere near that tackle. Um, arguments to say that it could have been a, a straight sending off if he hadn't been booked. But at that point, as soon as ten men down, one 0 down, I didn't fancy Palace at all. No, no, they needed to get sat out of the game uh, the weekend, Palace, because. They, they, they've got a tough run in as well. Um, Jamie, what was your thoughts on that one on Saturday? Um, that was obviously a good win for Villa, but alarm bells for Palace. Yeah, um, and, and, and Villa must have had their head in their hands in the first minute when Zaha goes through and scores and it's ruled out for offside because that's obviously Zaha's first goal game back and you just think, oh, here they go. They've actually, here he comes back and um, they're going to get back in the goals. But yeah, they didn't really... 
It didn't really trouble Villa. Probably it tended to be a bit of a nothing game, but Villa still needed the win to kind of get themselves out of the trouble. Palace are probably one or two of those wins away from staying out of the, the, the relegation fight. But the longer they wait, the more it looks like they're going to get dragged into it. Um, Decore, he was just rash in everything that he did. Um, you can make an argument he probably should have gone for the one he had the yellow card for, the first one. Um, you know, it, it was it was that it was that way with his studs. You could have made a case for that. Um, but yeah, they just don't they just don't look as though they're scoring many goals at all. Um, then there's no consistency from them from a forward attacking play. Um, so I'm I'm anticipating they get dragged into it. Um, but Villa, Villa will be fine now. Um, they've obviously been a bit of a topsy-turvy. They've had a couple of results, then they've not done well in the results. So they've had a shock defeat, and then they've had to go get another win. Um, I think this is, this, you know, Villa is typical Villa. Now they'll be they'll be looking at the end of the season. Um, it can't come quick enough for them. Yeah, no, definitely. And Jamie, I'll stay with you because we've only got a couple more games to sort of mm-hmm. go through now. And, and Southampton, uh, the late game on Saturday managed to get a win against Leicester. Um, big win for them. Um, they've done a double over Leicester this season, what, what sort of shows you kind of season Leicester are having as well. Um, but that's a huge win for, for Southampton. That's now two wins out of three for the, the, the new manager. Yeah. Um, I, I, the the loss by Leicester was not surprising at all. I, I fully had Southampton on one of my coupons. Um, just the rest of the team led it all <laughs> Um But... Um, yeah, Southampton have probably got a dogged performance like that from home. Um, Leicester were just really, really poor. Leicester probably should have been about three or four goals up by the time Southampton actually did put the ball in the net. They were just firing. You know, they just didn't. They did. They weren't. They weren't clinical in, in their usual way. Um, but we've been saying since the start that we fancied Leicester to probably dip in and out of this relegation fight as well. Um, again. They've probably now got the goals in them. The fact that Madison's back, I've you know, um, I would say that they probably do have the goals in them. I don't see them getting too dogged with it. Um, but Vardy still's not getting picked, is he? Vardy still there's some. I don't know whether he's now just turned the corner and he, the talk. Then we maybe looking at getting moving on from Vardy. If that's the case, they've got a young absolute whippersnapper in, in Dakar. That just doesn't get a game, and I don't get why he's not getting a game either. So, um, you know, they they did have this this debt hanging over them. Um, this now looks to have been cleared by the owners, so they are going into the new season debt free. Whether that means Rogers is going to have some money to play with, don't know. It probably means by the sale of that Madison, he probably gets to use that money in terms of repunting it back into the team. Um, but. I wasn't surprised that they lost at the weekend, but um, I think if they keep Madison fit, then they should be fine. Yeah, uh, we, we spoke about this at length last week about Brendan Rodgers. Colin, what, what's your thoughts on Leicester this season and do you see Rodgers there next season? I, I'm, I'm sure I said um, maybe about, about a month ago, I get the impression Rodgers is working his ticket. Um, I think he's he does have that ego. And uh, well, let's not get away from it. He, he's a good manager, but I, I don't think he's he sees himself there long term at, at, at Leicester. And I, I think he's been working his ticket for, for a long time. I, I do think they were a bit unlucky um, at the weekend. Um, and I think when it's games like that, it adds to the frustration of Brendan Rogers because he sees himself as being at that higher level. Problem is, who takes him? Because he's not got to get anywhere near a 
a top six job. Um, I don't think he's the type of guy to go abroad. Uh, although he's he might prefer a natural tan as as opposed to the old Santa perfect tan. Um, so you're really looking for I, I don't know like a, a film or a Brentford or somebody to lose a manager and he might be. I actually do think where the way these teams are going in that trajectory there, he might be that kind of top 10 player, uh, top 10 size club who are looking to break into the top six. He might be your man for that, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, on Rogers, I think he is working his, his ticket as well. And I want to throw one out there. If they stay up, West Ham. But, um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, last game, Jamie, then uh, this weekend was, was last night, Monday night, uh, Brentford. I put classy Brentford here because um, I really like watching Brentford. And um, I actually said last night, in hindsight, Chelsea may have been better going for Thomas Frank um, that, that instead of Graham Potter. I think if Frank was English, I think he'd be there instead of Potter. But that's obviously another debate. What did you make of that game last night? And, um, I, you know, as I said earlier, it was a big opportunity miss for Fulham uh, to close the gap on, on and go level with Newcastle. Yeah, I, I think... I think it was one, there was going to be goals in the game for a start. We, we could tell because the way the two teams have been playing. Um, I do think it was the right results. I think Brentford were probably the better team on the night. Um, it's You kind of forget how much actually goes through Ivan Tony. They rely on him. like he, he He's so dominant in the air. I know he took the penalty really well. And there's this big stat going about, about his penalties that he's doing now, which is absolutely fine. But it's actually his all-round game. He, he's, he's, he's actually really, really good. I really enjoy watching him. Um, and, and you can tell when he's playing, the, the Brentford kind of click. Um, I'm also a big fan of uh, the winger that they've got. Is it Visa? Um, he he's he's brilliant. He's rapid as well, um, and 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 they've got they've got they've got that that Danish Norwegian vibe in the midfield. The Damsgaard, who who was who had a brilliant World Cup. It was at the Euro sorry beforehand. He was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and quite surprised when they actually managed to get him. So, but they've got pockets of quality all over the, the all over the team. Um, the boy Panic. Um, I think he scored last night. That's his first goal he's ever scored. Um, but he's been a stalwart at the back four for them. Him and Ben May have actually been really, really good. Um, the the where they might where, where they will struggle is they're just waiting to find out what Ivan Tony's punishment is going to be for this uh, you know this this betting charge or betting charges shall we say because if he is going to be out and it looks and I think going you know just on that um, presidents have been set with bans for people like Kieran Trippier, Joey Barton. They, you know, there's been a multitude of kind of bans and what they've been banned for. So they're looking, the talk is they're probably going to be looking at um, best part of a six-month ban. But it won't be months, it'll be time. Um, because if they ban him now, three months of it will be in the close season. But actually, I think what they're looking at is actually three, six months worth of games. So again, it's going to be that'll be a tough one for them to take. Um, so that means Brentford will need to dip into the market and do something in his absence. But there's also talk about the goalkeeper, uh, the boy Raya, who's been arguably one of their better players over the last couple of years. Apparently, he's he's rejected three contracts, so there's a very strong possibility he's not going to be there. I really like Brentford, though. I think their biggest danger is, I, just, I, I think one of you guys said it, if 
Thomas Yanka leaves them. I don't think he'll want to leave them, but I think if a top six club come knocking at the door, it'll be very hard for not for Brentford to say no, it'll be very hard for Thomas Yanka to say no. Um he does have those Potter vibes though, where he's where he's he's embedded into the team and he, he's he's got and a hand in all the structure of how it's put together and stuff. Um, but you have to admire what he's done there. You really do. Um, for Fulham, I don't, I don't, I don't see a negative in them losing last night because they've been, in my opinion, they've been punching above the weight for the majority of the season. Um, we were always going to be whether or not they could keep that form going. I'm more impressed with people like Solomon starting to kick into gear. Like, that lad's just on fire right now. Um, I mean, even Mitchell, nobody's talking about Mitchell's not scoring goals because actually, you know, other people are starting to chip in. Um, so they massively missed the boy Polina last night because he's obviously had the double ban. Uh, he's got missing for two games for over his 10 yellows. The boy Lukic come in, and the first thing he did was get a yellow card. So he's obviously another player in that kind of mould. But he was—he probably should have been sent off, actually, for his challenge. That was a pity. You know, he probably had a couple of dodgy ones in, um, and he got hooked about 60 minutes in, and they had to kind of change the shape a little bit. Um, but no, I don't begrudge Fulham not pulling, not getting anything from that game last night because I think they did really well. But I think it was a good win for Brentford because it means that they still they've still got that charge on. I feel like no, absolutely. And Colin, just to sort of you know on that game last night, Brentford their recruitment uh, has been absolutely phenomenal, um, and it, and it just goes to show uh, what happens when you've got someone that knows what they're doing and has got an eye for a player. Rangers take note. Um, <laughs> But they've really, really recruited well. Um, and it's going to, you know, just touching on there, what Jamie said about uh, Tony, um, I think that it might actually mean that he stays there another season. Yeah. This yeah. is six months, but they're going to have to, you know, go into the market and replace him anyway. So um, I think it was inevitable that was going to happen this summer. But what's your thoughts on sort of both end teams? Because they both are punching above their weight, but they've both been impressive uh, this season and deserve a lot of credit. I I wanted both teams to win last night. Honestly, I really like them. <laughs> uh, it's just this whole. I, I said it before, like clubs building the right way and just coming in and having a game, having a go. Uh, it's not just. It's not because it was Brentford that film had a goal last night, and it's not because it was film that Brentford had a goal last night. They've just set up to play football really well, and it's paid dividends. And it doesn't always work out like that. How many teams come up to the Premier League? Don't adapt for how they played in the championship and they just get strutted back down. So no, I've got a lot of time for both of these teams. Um he's a top of the, the Brentford manager there, but I've always really liked Marco Silva and I actually think when we're talking about the Chelsea job, you know, teams like Chelsea, they do go for the they'll go for they'll go around in cycles. So it's they've had the the tactical masterclass of a German coach, then that didn't work, so they went for the solid English appointment, this should be the sexy Spaniard, um, or, you know, um, it's, I think that might be a shout for when Potter eventually gets his, his daughters. Um, recruitment for both teams has been really well, but I think you've made a really good point there, Mason, about Tony. Uh, I don't think they do keep him in the summer if he's gonna be uh, if if he's not barred for six months. But I think thinking over the next eighteen months, Brentford should be looking for somebody in that mould of Ivan Tony. And you're not gonna get uh you're not gonna get somebody 
of that calibre, but they should be looking to maybe take a gamble on maybe one or two strikers of potential and hope that they can maybe get by in the first six months uh, until Tony comes back. Tony comes back, gives them a boost for the business end of the season. And then hopefully in a year's time, they've got two ready-made replacements when they sell Tony off for millions. Do you know what Brentford are really good at? Taking players up from lower leagues and turning them into better players. I wouldn't be surprised if in their hunt for a replacement is if they didn't take a punt on somebody that's doing really well. For example, like um, the lad that's at Middlesbrough right now. Um, totally different kind of player. Well, Akpo, like he's a totally different kind of player, but scoring a bundle of goals. You've got the boy at Coventry right now that's doing really well as well. You know what? Like, it's funny, funny you say that, Jamie. Victor, Goikrest, they've, they've been linked with him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody like that that they brought in because they would pay. They would Brentford would get away with a deal with something like ten million pound, but they were like a forty percent sell-on fee if 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 the player moved on to another club, which is what they normally make their business from. They, I think they did that with uh, Ben Rabi. Was that right? Um, I think they paid a couple of million for him, and they put yeah. it into West Ham, and they made and they made an absolute. Uh, um, Ollie, but Ollie the sell-on clause going and Ollie Watkins as well. Ollie Watkins, that was the other one. So, 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 Bren, so Brentford have got history for that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a punt on whoever doesn't get promoted um, in the championship, if they took like a punt on one of their strikers and brought them through. I think Brentford are more likely to do that than a team like Fulham. Yeah. And I think Thomas Young has probably got a bit more in the bank for something like that. So uh, I wouldn't be worried about Brentford at least. No. No, it, it just goes to show Brentford were one of the first teams as well to, to get rid of their academy. Um, yeah, they did. That's everyone, true. Everyone sort of went, what, what are they doing that for? But their recruitment <laughs> has been that good. And as you said, Jamie, there's the sell-on fees, etc. But mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're really, they go, it's a place you go, you improve and you go on to bigger and better things. And, and that's what Brentford are ever going to be. But they're, they're content with that and they're doing really well with it as well. Um, but gents, that's the 10 games um, done uh, and we've gone for them all. But as always, we finish on a, a little question, trivia question. So, uh, listeners, please get your answer in there for us. Uh, Colin, I'll come to you first. Um, who is the best player to not win the Premier League, apart from the obvious one, Steven Gerrard? Who's your pick? I was really annoyed at myself because I, um, I said this in the chat last week thinking that he's going to cover it last week and I didn't have to answer it. Then we said, <laughs> you're going to pick it this week. I'm like, fuck. Um, <laughs> it's so difficult. It's, um, when you think back to some of the great players and I, I, narrowed, it, I narrowed it down to two Spurs attackers. Um, controversial, but I, I'm trying to base it on their impact in the team. Uh and their kind of status and as a Premier League player, no really um, what they've done elsewhere. Um, Robbie Keane, uh, before he went to Celtic, I always had a soft spot for him. I really liked him um, as a player. And kind of looking at the appearances and the goals he's racked up for Spurs, he was up there. But it's maybe a wee bit of recency bias here, but I think if I'm basing on absolute talent, Gareth Bale, it has to be, and this isn't to do what, this isn't to say, because he went on to win European Cups with Real Madrid, he was at an elite level when he left Spurs, I think he went on to an elite plus one level, um, and he was in the top five players for a long time in the world that is, 
but I thought he was unplayable for his last, uh, what, maybe 12 to 18 months in the Premier League. Frightening. And uh, when you look at the journey, this wee fucking goofy looking left back um, for Southampton, who can he defend for love no money, just turns into an absolute savage beast. Again, he had the mixture of raw power, um, strength, speed, but the talent um, and the finesse to go along with it. I adored watching Gareth Bale um, in the Premier League. Obviously, I've seen a lot more in the Premier League than I ever have La Liga. It's not a league I really watch. Um, so, Gareth Bale for me. Nice. No, it's a great shout. Uh, I've, got, I've got him written down. He wouldn't be my pick, but just because I don't the time he was in the Premier League, but what a player. And, and see him live just before he left, and he was incredible. Um, no, it's a good good shout, Colin. Jamie, who's your who's your pick? So not Gerard, not Carragher, not Pepperida. Um, <laughs> I could go through the list, um, but I want to go back. Steve Fennin. <laughs> <laughs> Here, there's a pub quiz question about Steve Fennin. I'll come back to that one though. Um, but I, I wanted to probably go a bit completely different. I I think I think Gareth Pale is the easy answer. So. But, um, but what I mean is, what we got to see with Gareth Bale was actually how he matured through the levels of being a youngster, going from left back, Harry Redknapp, giving him a shot up front, and he kind of blew the opposition away. And I think he was tremendous and I thoroughly enjoyed. However, I'm going to go a bit old school and I'm going to call it Gianfranco Zola. Gianfranco Zola, an absolute legend of the game, an absolute legend of the Premier League, never to win an absolute Premier League title is an actually criminal. Uh, when you think of the, the stature of the player, um, you know, he's a legend in himself. Nobody would have ever denied somebody like that kind of player in their team. He was that good. And when you look back and think that he never won a, a, a league title with Chelsea, you think, really? Really? That's, you know, um, I'd also give a mention to somebody like Marcel Desailly. I love this. I, I was a, I was a big. Def- I, I, was, I played right back when I was at school, so I always looked at. It. So you remember the old FIFA days, and it was always Maldini and Desai as your centre backs that you kind of had. But I, I'm going to go with Franco Zola. I think um, some of the some of the you, you find half of his goals in the top fifty of the Premier League history highlights. You know what I mean? That that quality of play, and you think to never actually win the league is actually it's actually criminal. You stole my thunder there, mate. So I'm yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had uh, I had Zola as well, uh, and I think you just listed some, some some brilliant points. But but another couple of players I will sort of give an honourable mention to would be Matt Letizia, um Jermaine Defoe, um, <coughs> and uh, Modric and Suarez. But I, I just Mod- think yeah, Mod- Modric would be another one, yeah. Yeah, just and Su- Suarez was. Um, I was uh, he's one of the. If I had to pick a Premier League eleven, maybe we'll come on to that in a, a different pod, but. Suarez would be in there as well for, for, for a couple of seasons. Um, but I tell you who's going to be in there, either way it's going, Harry Kane. Either way it's going, he'll be one. If he doesn't get a move soon, he'll be one that we that we, we throw in that, that category. So I, I, I think the, the problem is with Harry Kane, and you're starting to hear a lot of rumbling about it now, is that Daniel Levy will not sell Kane to anybody in the Premier League for less than £120 million, in my opinion. And I don't think people are going to pay that when there's so many good options on the market at the moment. As an example, everybody always puts Harry Kane and Man United together. And I completely understand why. Ten Hag's not that kind of manager. 
in my opinion. I think they'll start looking at somebody like Victor Osman at Napoli, yeah. who's going to be a fraction of the price but on better wages than what they would have to pay for Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane has to go abroad if he's to move away from Tottenham, and therefore he will be in that bracket of being not, and you know, one of the best players to not win a Premier League. Um, I think the I think the ship sailed for Harry Kane, unfortunately. Ah, absolutely. Okay. I, I said a couple weeks ago, and it might sound harsh, in, in 10, 15 years' time, Harry Kane's going to be a pub quiz question. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, like Alan Shearer's um, done in, in, as well. Like Alan Shearer has that trophy underneath his bag, but uh, Harry Kane should have landed his contact. He should have known Daniel Weaver was going to be like that. And I is getting some agreement one. Aye. Um, <laughs> he's, he's breaking some records, but at the end of the day, it's big shiny things that you. You turn up to play football away. It's an absolute waste of not a waste of career. That's very, very harsh. Sorry. Um probably a waste of potential um, no. in terms of what the career should have won. No, absolutely, Colin. Uh, absolutely agree and agree with you, Jamie. I, I can see him going abroad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that'd be one for the summer. But gents, all, all I can do is say, Colin, thanks thanks for coming on tonight, mate. Really enjoyed that. No, I've been back on. Cheers, lads. And Jamie, as always, thanks for tonight. Good man, thank you very much. Looking forward to this weekend's fixtures already. Liverpool beat Man United 7-0. We've got Bournemouth at the weekend, so it's got 0-0 because it's the early game. It's got 0-0 written all over it. So I'm going to look to tuck my tail between my legs next week. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks very much for having me on. The season that Liverpool had, is, uh, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> stick on a Bournemouth draw or Bournemouth win uh, this weekend. <laughs> but... Um, now, as always, thanks, thanks for listening and, and we'll be back next week to go through another Premier League show. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.